Hey, welcome to the podcast. Coming to you from the Midwest Coast. I'm inside that miraculous establishment, the Midwest Healing Center, Lake of the Ozarks Podcast, Studio B. This is the New Old School Podcast. I am your host, Don Allen. Tell somebody about the podcast. It's all free. You know, you can download any of these free apps to any mobile device, Podbean, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, iTunes Store, Spotify. They're all free. And then you can join all these listening from all over the world and those listening from 34 of our great United States here in our motherland. Also, I'm discovering there are a lot of other ways that you can listen, things that I'm not even familiar with, but they are showing up on the analytics, a lot of different ways you can listen. So good to have you all along today. Continue to be amazed by the numbers and the locations. Excited to have you with me today. You remember we're in a series, Doorways to Deception. Uh, Very long, I admit, but uh, good series. I I believe it to be a good series. Uh, On how to recognize deception, how it destroys, and most importantly, what can you do to stop it? Deception. So tricky. Because, uh, well, you don't usually know you're in it until you're way in it, right? That's kind of the idea of deception. But... You know, what we're doing is we are educating ourselves right out of the devil's plans by looking into the word of God for our answers. Imagine it, looking into the word of God. Imagine it, going back to the Bible. What a concept, right? I I, I act like a smart aleck about that because it just seems to be the most foreign thing going on right now. Whether you're going to the Bible, whatever you go to the Bible. Well, the Bible says, looking into the word of God for our answers, it's all there. Uh, We've looked into uh, so many open doorways to deception through, what is it, our past 12 podcasts. Uh, If you missed any of those, just go back, take a listen. I've broken them down into what I call bite-sized, or maybe I should call them fun-sized, right? Fun-sized podcasts, if you will, and they are all in order for you to listen to. But I want to shift gears a little bit today. It's going to be a little bit different. Uh, As I mentioned, we have been really nailing down some major doorways, things like, uh, I don't have enough time to do what God has called me to do. So then we just don't do anything, even with the little bit of time that we may have. We saw some extreme things like those that do not believe that the devil is real or that the Bible is actually God's word. Uh, Other deceptions like, well, you just can't win against the devil. He's too powerful. And even if you do win against him, well, you're not worthy anyway. Doesn't matter what you think. Doesn't matter what you say. Doesn't matter what you do. Uh, Those who think they know it all, pride and traditions. Again, just go back if you missed any of these. Uh, But as I said, I I do want to shift gears a bit today. And I want to talk about what I would call the Samson syndrome. Sounds deep, right? The Samson syndrome. Uh, Here's the thing. We all live in a body, a body made of flesh. And well, this old flesh kind of wants to do what it wants to do, right? Man got flipped upside down because we know it's the spirit of a man that was supposed to run the show. 
that would be the born-again spirit of a man. And so the spirit was to be the top dog, and then the mind was supposed to take orders from the spirit and the body from the mind who listened to that spirit. But we got flipped upside down because of sin, and so it became the mind that seems to be running the show, and it tells the body what to do, and then that spirit man, where is he? He's shoved all the way down to the bottom. So the flesh says, hey, I want what I want when I want it and the way that I want it. And its tendency is always to be drawn to the enjoyment that will satisfy the flesh. Have you noticed that about your flesh? It, it doesn't just automatically fall forward into the things of God, but it could easily fall backwards into the things of the world. It just, that is our flesh. It is, it is trained to corruption. It wants what it wants. And, uh, well, that is a deception. Let's look at it from the simplest of forms in that we all, we all want to be loved. We all want to be accepted by others as well. You know, as much as you can say, I don't care what anybody thinks, that's a lie. You do. We all do in some way. We want to partake in what we would call the good life. And uh, that's okay. Uh, God wants you to have a good life. But this is why it's going to be very important to keep the flesh under control. And you have to base our perceptions of what the good life is based off of the word of God and not the latest fads. And I'm going to tell you that includes those that run through the church as well. It's not just a worldly thing. We understand there's a lot of different waves and fads that make its way through the church world as well that are actually pretty fleshy. And we have to be really careful. That could be a whole other podcast in and of itself. Uh, But don't think that just because you go to church, you're safe. Really keep your eyes open to recognize uh, the different fads and worldly things that try to come through the church as well. But that's enough about that one. Look what Paul said, uh, 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 27, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. He understood that I'm always going to be dealing with this issue, so I have to do something. Now, you remember, this is the same man that said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can. He made it first person. What's he doing? He's taking responsibility. I'm going to have to put it under and have control over it. It is your body to do so. That is your body. Tell it no sometimes. We know the body doesn't like to be told no. We know it was Paul who said, why do I always seem to do what I know that I should not? And why does it seem like I cannot do what I know that I should do? Right? So he wasn't denying the fact that even though I love God, I served him faithfully, I'm still going to have to fight myself to keep control of what I know that I am and am not to do. But now here's the other side. He also said, but I'm going to run my race anyways. Now, that wasn't an excuse to continue in, let's say, sin or, or worldly things and just, I'm going to just keep going anyway. No, as he admitted, I'm, I'm going to continue to work on these things, but while I'm working on these things, I won't fall into that other side of deception that says, well, I just have to put the brakes on and do nothing. Now, the church has come along and really nurtured that idea. Now, I wasn't even going to talk about this. But let's do, we know there's a difference in those who come into the church who maybe are newer, maybe not quite as committed. And when I say church, I'm really just talking about the things of the Lord or Christianity. I'm not just talking positions, but I'm talking about the church specifically nurturing an idea that um, when you fall, you have failed. 
And um, so that means we have some that have maybe been involved in ministry, have done some things a little further along in their walk with the Lord. There, it, that is, there is a difference in that and someone who's following from afar anyway, barely comes to church. They have all these issues and they kind of fall off and come back, fall off and come back. You got those others that are very dedicated. They, they've been in church. They know some things and yet they will slip at times. And the church has nurtured this idea, well, you're dead to me. You have to stop now. We're shutting you down. You don't get to do, you don't get to do. And we nurture this idea, you have failed. And that is not true. That is not true. Now, I'm saying you have to use wisdom, right? You have to use wisdom. But at the same time, I've just seen the church come in and just cut people down. I mean, kill their wounded instead of trying to heal the wounded and strip them of everything. And that is a very dangerous thing. I'm going to run my race anyway. So we have an amazing example of a great godly man who through his love for the things of the world, he fell into deception, ultimately destroyed. It it destroyed his life, his ministry. It destroyed his influence. It was cut way shorter than God intended it to be. And I'm talking about Samson. And uh, we really need to take a look at this man's life and learn a thing or two. Judges 16, here's an amazing story, very sad story, all rolled into one. We see this man's death. Uh, And again, I want you to always be looking at the Old Testament as we're looking at these stories as they point to the new. What can we learn or see the types and shadows in this man's life? We should always be looking for this, right? Uh, Judges 16, 23 through 30, stick with me. Then the lords of the Philistines gathered them together for an offer, a great sacrifice unto Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. For they said, Our God hath delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hand. When the people saw him, they praised their God. For they said, Our God hath delivered into our hands our enemy, and the destroyer of our country, which, they, which slew many of us. And it came to pass, when their hearts were merry, that they said, Call for Samson, that he may make us sport. They called for Samson out of the prison house, and he made them sport, and he set them between the pillars, and Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand, Suffer me that I may feel the pillars whereon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. Now the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there, and they were upon the roof, about 3,000 men and women that beheld while Samson made sport. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me. I pray thee and strengthen me. I pray thee only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood and on which it was borne up, and then one with his right hand and the other pillar with his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all of his might, and the house fell upon the lords and all the people that were therein, so that the dead which he slew at his death were more than those which he slew with his life. So I know that we probably have heard at some point this passage teaches us about God's justice and uh, that it always triumphs, that no matter how bad the situation looks, uh, you can always come out on top. Well, okay, that's true, but this guy's dead, people. I mean, I know he killed a bunch of enemies and, and, you know, uh, took them with him, but he's dead. Uh, Ministry over. So if you look back at Samson's life in Judges 13 through 16, you're going to see that the Spirit of the Lord worked mightily through this man's life with manifestations of supernatural strength. Now, we can see in our lives, right, 
supernatural strength. Maybe not physically like this man, but we understand now we have the helper, we have the Holy Spirit, right? That would not just make us physically strong, but that we could do impossible things supernaturally that yes, it would manifest in this realm. But it's the same idea, I want you to see this, that, that here's Samson, he, he was physically strong. Now we have Holy Spirit that makes it to where we can do impossible things just like this man, God working mightily in our lives. Now remember, this is the guy that killed a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. Uh, this dude is one, one bad dude, right? So what went wrong? How was it that he was finally captured and chained and, blo- I mean, both eyes poked out mocked and humiliated. I mean, I I understand he had a great victory at his death, but he died way before his time. So why did Samson, an anointed deliverer of the children of God, one of God's champions, he only ruled for 20 years. Why did he die so young? Well, we can see it if you know the story at all. It was through deception. Deception in the form of a woman named Delilah. God would have us see this story so that we can see the effects of opening a doorway of deception and not closing it off. Listen, no doubt, the Bible records that Samson had a special covenant with God. As a Nazarite, he made a vow not to touch any unclean thing. He didn't partake of wine or strong drink. He didn't cut off his hair. Uh, If you want to see more history of of the Nazarite covenant, you can look at Numbers 6, 1 through 21. Uh, It'll give you some insights as to why Samson made the vows that he did. And just to give you the quick on it, if you were wondering about why the whole hair thing, why, why is that such a big deal? It's because hair in the Bible as a covering was likened under the glory of God upon a man. His hair was a statement to all that saw him, uh, that the presence or the glory of God was upon his life and how he respected that and that he was committed to following God and how God was priority in his life, that covenant. And so he found his strength in that glory represented by the hair of his Uh, But it was the power of God through a covenant that God and him had made together. But we can see his first mistake in Judges 14. He moved to a Philistine city, and he married a Philistine woman, which is a type of the world. It would be what we would call being purposely unequally yoked with an unbeliever because I wanted to. Now, I'm talking about you being called to be in ministry, every one of you being called to do great things for God and saying, yeah, but I'm going to go over here because, you know, I I like this particular person and I know they don't want anything to do with God. Matter of fact, I know they're even against God, but you know what, I'm I'm going to go for it anyway, right? Here's the thing. This isn't about rules and regulations, okay? It's not about religion. This is knowing that something is absolutely wrong and deciding I'm going to do it anyway. But not just that, but once even realizing it, not correcting it, because we all do things we know we should not do, right? This is the difference in Paul and Samson. Paul was humble. He, he would admit it. He made necessary changes. Samson would double down and say, I'll do what I want to do. So now according to the covenant that, that he filled, that same covenant would say that this new bride would make Samson unclean. It would defile him. Chapter 14 and verse 10, we know that Samson makes a feast in the Philistine city. And now the issue with this is, Alcohol was being consumed at this party and other questionable things taking place as well. And so we're seeing some little slip-ups, right? Not all at once, but a little here, little there. Now, again, it was Samson who made the vow to follow God in such a way that these things were not permitted. 
So we see he's becoming a little bit more comfortable with the worldly things. So by default, guys, you become less concerned about what used to matter to you and the godly things. Your conscience being seared, the Bible says, as with a hot iron, right? That's the part of deception. The things that used to bother you, well, they don't bother me now. If you keep doing them. So by the time we reach chapter 16 here, he's now gone to, to Gaza, another Philistine city, where he falls in love with another woman, Delilah. And of course, she's the one that cuts off his hair. And that led to his defeat. But he, 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 he had ignored all the signs that were given to him about this woman. It was almost like he was playing a game like, I'm too good for you to bring me down. Make no mistake, because it wasn't the hair. It was the glory of God and what it meant to him in his covenant with God. And he allowed a woman to take that from him. In essence, he traded the glory for some tail. Don't think that Samson was just an unfortunate victim of her deception. If you read his whole story, you're going to quickly see that he was already heading down the wrong path. He had already abandoned his part of the covenant at that point. This was just kind of the final straw, if you will. So you see him drinking and partying these worldly cities long before this, and he's already messing with other women as well. And yet even with all of that, there was still a measure of God's anointing on his life. I cannot stress this enough because this isn't talking about drinking and partying. It's about God telling him not to and he doing what he wanted to do. And that's going to be a little bit different for everybody. And I want to make sure you understand that. You can have somebody that never drank, let's say, and they too could be falling under deception and sin in some other area. And you could have someone who maybe does drink at times and no problem. I mean, I'm just saying this as an example, not to get religious uh, on this exactly. Okay, don't get hung up on Samson's personal issues exactly. It's more so what has God told you to do and not to do? You, not everybody else, you, right? You can't say, well, so-and-so, they get, no, God was still, listen, God was still present because that's just like God, isn't it? Always there to give you a chance that at any time, if you want to turn back and change, he's right there. But pride will blind you to it. We understand what the Bible says about pride comes before a fall. Even though he was still doing mighty things for God all throughout this encounter. But, but make no mistake, there comes a day when it's all over, friends. Listen, I can tell you firsthand about a man that was mighty in God, who had a supernatural encounter with God who delivered him from alcoholism and saved his life from a failing liver by speaking to him audibly, talking about my own father, raging alcoholic for as long as I could remember up to, up till I was about eight, nine years old, this man would go out party every night. I mean, my mother and I'd be praying for him every night. She'd be crying by the bedside. He was never home. One day on his way home from work, drunk, he would get drunk at work. He's driving home and heard an audible voice in the back seat of his car that said, you know who I am. Why are you fighting me? And he had to put, he literally pulled the car over and looked in the back seat. He, and God said to him audibly, you know who I am. Because he was raised in the church as a young man, as a good Baptist. Boy, he drove right home and told us about it. And I mean, he was sober that instant. He was sober instantly. And I mean, he delivered from alcohol. His liver was failing. That man got born again and made a vow to follow God. He quit smoking, quit taking drugs. And, and, uh, right? I mean, he attended Bible college where he became a pastor, then a director over uh, other pastors in a two-state region over Missouri and Arkansas, and, and was in all ways really moving right up with God and seemed to be going places, right? I mean, certainly anointed. He was a uh, great healing minister, 
uh, there was this, but he, he, he always kind of had this issue that was lingering, right? There were some things that he, he got handled, but there was this issue with pornography and lust or, or with women, let's say. And along the way, it would surface a bit here and there and it would be dealt with, but this weakness for women. And so he was flirty and funny and looking at and checking them out. And you know, I mean, nothing serious though, right? And then one day a Delilah walks into his life and now he's meeting with her privately. You know, I mean, to minister to her though, right? Many warned him. Many warned him, hey, this isn't looking good. Hey, avoid, like he would tell me my whole life, right? Avoid all the appearances of evil. You may not even be doing evil, but the appearance, right? He wouldn't even listen to his own advice. Hey, this girl's all about, why are you meeting with her alone? Why are you closing the door to your office? All the while, God is doing things through his life, no doubt. And one day, pride, and boom, done. He had an affair and he lost it all, all of it. I remember my dad coming home, and I mean, you, t- you don't want to talk about the levels of deception. He was shocked. I mean, he was so mad and shocked. You talk about deception. He was shocked that the board of the church fired him for having an affair and actually sleeping with this woman in his church office. He thought that they would just accept this new woman and move on. He was, you talk about deception. He couldn't believe it. So let me give you a little clue to why I think God still uses people while these things are going on in their lives. God has allowed these people to have influence in others' lives, right? And, and I believe this is an observation. While it seems like they're getting away with something or that God doesn't see what they're doing, how could God still be moving in their life while this is going on? It's because God's not going to allow others to suffer because of their choice. I believe that there is a season of where God protects others during these issues like this, where once they can get a grasp of what's taking place, eventually the other shoe will fall. God's merciful. Don't get me wrong. I know. Believe me, I know. And he will continue to extend opportunity after opportunity to you as long as you are open to receive it. But once that door closes off on your side, not his side, but your side and pride comes in, that's what took place with my father. He rejected all counsel and help from people who really did love him. They really did want the best for him. They wanted to restore him. And they went to great lengths to try to do so, and he would not. And once he closed that door, well, you could see how fast things fell apart. The consequences of his actions caught up to him, and, well, he's dead now. And listen, I know this story well in a little bit of a different way, but let me tell you, having gone through a divorce and all that comes with that and being in ministry as I was and am now, God is amazing and he is merciful, but you're going to have to be open to listen to God during the hard times and take counsel and be honest and make no excuses. I didn't have an affair, but a divorce is the church's unforgivable sin, I found out. You can become addicted to drugs, alcohol as a minister. You can drunk drive. You might even kill somebody in an accident and go to jail or prison and have a great comeback story and ask God for forgiveness. But a divorce, I discovered is a long, drawn-out sin in the mind of some that is daily. Oh, you're still getting a divorce. A year later, oh, you're still getting a divorce. To them, you're walking in that sin every day. It's a daily sin to them that you walk into because you're not going to go back to this person. And let me tell you, there's no quick, easy divorces. Let me tell you that. You want my advice? Don't do it. Love your partner. But what I'm saying is I was honest. I was humble. I was open to counsel, which was nonstop all the time. But in the end, it takes two. But I came out alive on the other side because I was not going to allow the world to suck me in during a weak time in my life. Don't do it. Hold fast, listen to others, stay teachable. 
and open and stay strong in the Lord. He's so, so good. 1 John 2 and verse 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, this word love is agape, or the God kind of love, meaning to give yourself. And this is saying, do not give yourself to the world. Talking about totally handing yourself over, because if you do, like I said, you'll automatically stop giving yourself to God. Did you know the the very first satanic commandment, you know, they have a counterfeit for everything, but it's do what thou wilt is the whole of the law. Just do you. Do whatever you want to do. That is the system of the world, isn't it? And like I said, we all want to fit in, don't we? We're, we're told to get with the program, right? We, we don't want to be the ones on the outside, but let me tell you, you're going to want to be on the inside with God. It's so worth it, friends. This old carnal nature is ugly. It is selfish. It only thinks of itself and its satisfactions. It just wants to feel good. And that deception every time, because what feels good today, I promise you, will fade tomorrow. It's always immediate reward, but never tells of the long-term consequences. 1 Timothy 6, 17 says that God gives us all things richly to enjoy. You understand you don't have to hang up your good time and stop living life just because you got born again. That's what religion tells you. It makes it rules and regulations instead of a relationship. Please do not fall into the Samson syndrome. Little here, little there. You know God. You know the relationship you have with God. It won't look like anybody else's relationship. Do not. Do not. I hope you hear me. Do not allow anybody to tell you that it has to look like theirs or yours is sin. That is not true. I have four children. I have a different relationship with every one of them. Love them all the same, but the relationship is absolutely different, and I have different expectations for each one of them. You know the things that God has spoken to you to do and do not, right? I'm talking about personal things to get you to the call that God has for you. Just stick close to that relationship. Don't worry about anybody else and what they seem to be doing or not doing. I promise you, if you will stick with him, he's always going to stick with you. Just remember, even when you have slipped, and you will, be honest, be open, be humble. Remember, his mercy is new every single morning. Do not allow the devil to fool you into thinking that you have blown it. No way. Samson had the anointing of God upon his life, even up to his very last breath upon the earth. He could have at any time. He could have humbled himself, but the devil's always going to try to tell you it's too late. What a lie. It's not too late. He's always going to try to tell you that it is. At the same time, you cannot expect to continue to play with fire because guess what, kids? You will get burned. Hey, don't wait. If you fall and get up. I love what the Bible says. Oh, do not rejoice over me, mine enemy. Though I fall, I shall rise again. Get right back to God where it ended. God's still there. The power's still there. That ministry is still there. Don't wait. Don't allow sin to cut off that glory. Recognize it today and take advantage of God's mercy. He is rich in it. Do not buy the lie. That it's too late. Run to him right now. You allow that spirit man to take back control of your life. Come on, you got this. It's all the time I have for today. I know it's a bit different. Thank you for joining me on the new old school podcast. I am your host, Don Allen. Hey, you know what I'm going to be doing. Until next time. I'm going right back to attempting the ridiculous and achieving the miraculous. Miraculous.